0: Why do I feel so empty, bored, unfulfilled? Like something's missing, like I want something more. Like there's this giant, bottomless, infinite hole inside me. So I try to fill it with all kinds of junk to make it go away. But these don't work. They give me a quick high, but it doesn't last. Leaving me frustrated, addicted, and wanting more. So I think maybe it's me, maybe I'm the problem. I need to be bigger, better, smarter, funnier, better looking. So I build myself up on the outside into some person that I don't even know, that I don't even like. And on the inside, I beat myself down, sometimes severely, and I feel more empty.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Crab and the Cross podcast. I'm your host, Mary Rose, and that was a clip from a video by today's guest. Randy Schwab animates and narrates videos on YouTube that explore the answers to some of the most challenging questions that believers and non-believers ask themselves. Questions like, if God is real, why doesn't he show himself? Why does God allow evil and suffering? Why would God send somebody to hell? And then that clip was from his most popular video, which is called, why do I feel so empty inside? What I like about Randy's approach is that he spends a lot of time really meditating on the question itself before responding to it. And I think when you're dealing with questions that aren't just intellectual, but have a real emotional and personal and ultimately existential component to them, it's kind of dismissive and it doesn't really do justice to them to just say, oh, well, here's five reasons why God might send somebody to hell, or here's five reasons why God might allow an innocent person to suffer. Um, And I think the approach that Randy takes also has a strong biblical precedent. You know, if you look at the book of Job, which deals precisely with the question of innocent suffering, it's not like Job questions God and then God shows up and he's like, hey, let me just clear up this misunderstanding. No, instead the book is Job kind of stewing in those questions and wrestling with those questions. And then when God finally does show up, God really just provides more questions for Job uh, in order to really expand Job's thinking and Job's perspective. And so, I think the approach that Randy takes is is really honest, um, and I think it's one that doesn't belittle the nature of these questions. So when I saw his videos, I was just super curious to talk to the mind behind them. So if you enjoyed this conversation, please like, comment, subscribe, and share. Also, if you're listening to this on audio, this is my first ever video episode, so you can head over to YouTube and see it live and in color. I am on Instagram at the Crab and the Cross Podcast, on Twitter at Crab and the Cross Podcast, um, Apple, Spotify, Google, etc. And now here's my conversation with Randy Schwab. Randy Schwab is the creative mind behind the YouTube channel I Am Beggar where he writes and animates videos that talk about God in a way that is different, creative, positive, entertaining, hard-hitting, and most importantly, accessible, without being preachy, judgy, didactic, sappy, or boring. He lives in New York, where he works as a video and animation producer. Randy, thank you so much for joining me today.
0: I'm very happy to be with you. Thank you for the invitation.
1: Yeah, I feel like it doesn't quite do your channel justice when I when I say, oh, it's an animation channel because people picture like, uh, you know, Veggie Tales or something that's really like happy, positive, you know, made for kids. And, you know, even though your videos are animated, there's definitely like a certain, I don't know, <laughs> moodiness or, or, or edginess to them, um, which, you know, doesn't quite fit with the description of being animated. But uh, I really enjoy them, and I think when I stumbled across them, my immediate thought was like, I think I get this person. I think I relate to this person. I don't know what the mind is behind this, but, um, yeah, there's something deeply personal about them.
0: Well, well, thank you because, um, that's exactly what I was going for. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear it, that, that something's landing. Um, and it's funny because anytime people are like, you know, I say, oh, they're animated videos, they, they're like, oh, so you make cartoons. Right, and, exactly. You know, and <laughs> oh, it's good for my kids. And, you know, that's kind of the idea that um, that pops into your head. But yeah, it's definitely um, not <laughs> not that kind of animation. Um, the, re- the reason why I um, use that is, well, first of all, because of my past in animation, which we might talk about later, but, um, but mainly it's, it's not so much to look a certain way or to look cool or it's, it's to, it's to get an image with some words that stick in your head. So like, I'm not, I'm not trying to make it look cool or like, Oh, this is really good animation or it's pretty simple. I'm just trying to, you know, uh, all the, the saints and the popes and everyone, they all said, you know, if you can leave an image, and I'm just trying to, so I just try to leave like very contrasting images that hopefully you know something sticks.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, there's there's kind of like a choreography to it almost, where where the images they just accentuate, um, you know, whatever you're you're saying, the words that you're saying, and so you're right. It's not as though somebody's just preaching to you. It's almost a little bit more of like an experience, like a mental, imaginative experience. You know, you're kind of leading somebody through. A progression of thought. Um, awesome. Yeah, awesome. Really well I'm done. happy to hear that. Cause <laughs>
0: that's, that's exactly what, uh, what I'm going for. And, um, and like I said, if it just, if it just leaves a few, cause sometimes, you know, words stick around, but, but right. images kind of like, phew, they just sort of get stuck in your head. So, um, um, and pe you know, people have told me like, oh yeah, like that image with the, the ball and the thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. so that's, that's kind of, uh, the point of that
1: yeah yeah and do you do the narration and everything as well
0: I do and and it, it's it's so funny because it's one of those things where um I, I'll speak for myself but I just Cannot stand to listening to the sound of my voice. Oh yeah, in the voice. same way, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I, it's like recording and editing those for me is torture. And mm-hmm. then you know sometimes I hear from people and they're like, "Oh yeah, we had it in the background." And I'm just like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, yeah. I had to like listen to my voice in the background."
1: <laughs> I know. I, I feel the same way when I have to go back and, and like re-listen to the podcasts and. It really, I don't know, really is like the sound of my own voice and it's not even necessarily what I'm saying, but I just like, ah, I don't know. I don't have enough. I have the voice for, for <laughs> audio, but no, I, I, there's, there's something, I don't know, there's gotta be like something scientific behind that, like why we don't like hearing our own voices.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but it, it's like, I really, um, I really struggle with it, but, um. You know, I was just like, all right, I just I just got to record these things and get something down, and um, and then you know, hopefully try to hide it with sound effects and animation and stuff like that.
1: Right. Well, I mean, even honestly though, even the the way that you record um, your own voice, like you kind of maybe speak a little bit more slowly, a little bit deeper of a voice, I think, than you probably do in your everyday life, and. I don't know, the, the what whatever you're doing, it kind of, it, it does hit, like it does land, because there's <laughs> something where it's not, it's not contrived, I guess. Um, you know, I don't know, I feel like I grew up listening to a lot of, like, youth, Catholic youth speakers and whatnot, and they have, like, a very, like, punchy and excited, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be great, and and, it, and I mean, I guess it works for that age group, but then you get to a certain point, and, and you're just, um, I don't know, it, it's kind of, like, loses its it's appeal very quickly it, it almost like you know as soon as you go through something tough you're like this person lied to me they were just like all sunshine and rainbows and so i don't know the way that you articulate your points um whatever it is like i think you have mastered like the the sort of vocals mm. behind that
0: <laughs> well I, I mean amen thank thank you um for saying that because it's uh um it's funny because sometimes I'll record it. And if, and if I feel like I sound like I'm acting in any way or putting something on or trying to like, let me exaggerate this and talk like I'm on a talk show host or, you know, like yeah. if I feel like that at all, I, I'm like, delete, 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 yeah. delete. Like I cut it, I cut it right out. And um, uh, because I don't know, I just, I, I just like, I, I just, I can't, I, I can't do it. So I, um, I, I, you know, I'm going for like, all right, even if it doesn't really sound um, clean or crisp or whatever, like it, like I just, I just hope and pray that it comes across as authentic. Cause that's, that's right. all I'm going for.
1: Yeah. No, it's interesting because I, I don't know. Have you ever watched many of like the old Fulton Sheen uh, life is oh, videos?
0: <laughs> I mean, I like my, you know again i i was a um i mean born catholic far away and then returned in my 20s yeah. um but Fulton Sheen was a big part of that really? reason for um and i didn't even know who he was until somebody uh, one of my priest friends kept saying and sheen said that sheen said this and i'm like who's sheen you know and huh. then i looked him up and just listened to everything so like he's he's like one of the top probably three um influences of mine and in, in my faith and all this and everything
1: yeah no i i love him too and i'm a big I'm a big fan of his but I, I do think like i mean he is performative um and and i think he studied like or he had like voice coaching or um something like that where they train you kind of how to be a public speaker and yeah he's very skilled at it and i was actually talking to this about somebody else i interviewed recently like i don't know that what he his style of speaking I don't know that it would really resonate with people today like we don't like people who are too performative and and not that I don't it's inauthentic with him but we kind of like that uh, we like people to speak in a way that's more plain and more just like conversational and I think his like sort of (laughs) theatrics I I don't know that it would resonate with like you know this generation
0: well completely and and you're 100 right he's um very theatrical and dramatic and that was his thing um but um i have a video one of my videos i actually use one of his i just cut one of his voiceovers and i used used it instead of mine and it's Mm -hmm. it's funny what you said because um to me like uh, like I'm I'm just like, yeah, Fulton Sheen is one of the greatest orators of, of all time. And, yeah. and then I used his little clip and everyone's like, who did this voiceover? Like sounds <laughs> like so dramatic yeah. and where's, like, how come you're not, where's your voice? And like, yeah. like literally I was like, I'm going to get struck by lightning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, but, but it's for the reasons why you said it's like, like that may have appealed at his time and his generation, but like. Now people are just like, yeah, like who the heck was that? That just sounded so weird and like dramatic, and yeah, you know.
1: yeah. And actually, it kind of makes me wonder though, like how when Jesus preached, like what w- was he a great orator in terms of like the skill, or was it very much like the speech of an everyman? You know, like um,
0: it, but- it, 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 it's funny. It's a great question, and I've been thinking about that a lot lately because you know we have these different images of Jesus of like nice guy Jesus, and then, like, very stern and, like, solid Jesus. And then, like, it, yeah, I, I, I wonder that myself all the time, you know?
1: Right. Yeah, because, I mean, there's the uh, there's the part where Peter is denying Christ and somebody says, oh, your accent gives you a way that you're a Galilean and Jesus was a Galilean. And so you kind of wonder, like, was there anything – Humanly speaking, that was appealing to him or about him, like in the way that he presented his, you know, his teachings
0: totally. And, and you know, like, we, um, I, I think it's, I, I think it was, uh, Father Bar- Bishop Barron who said, like, there's a temptation or, uh, um, something to like very domesticate Jesus mm-hmm. into our times and mm-hmm. our whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were they were tough people in that right. time, that right. generation, they were hard, they were tough, you know? So, um, so yeah, I, it's funny you brought that up because it is something I've been thinking about lately right. myself.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, and they weren't primarily intellectuals, you know, if anything, the intellectuals were the ones who didn't listen to him and, and didn't agree with him. And so I think about this a lot too, because I work in um, like college campus ministry and I'm like, you know, what's the right way to communicate you know it's it's I think like Thomas Aquinas says something about how like you have to teach according to like the mode of the recipient and so it doesn't in in a way it almost doesn't matter
0: as much how
1: like accurate what you're saying is or how precise I mean precision is important but like how articulate it is but it's like you have to speak according to the mode of the recipient so you kind of have to you know, speak people's language, but at the same time, there's clearly something very inauthentic if you're like trying to be hip or, or trying to like, you know, relate to the youths and they're just like,
0: just yeah, through you, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um We had a great, um a great professor. And one, one thing he, he said what kind of what you said about just knowing where your listeners are and how, how they're being, how they're receiving, because it's, it's 50% delivery, 50% reception, you know? Um, But one thing he said that always stuck with us was um, stuck with me was um, he's like, what's the lived question that's sort of, of, of your audience? Like, what is it that they're asking themselves in their hearts and, and like what's kind of going on in, in, in their sort of, um, world, and if that's like a small group or a, a big group or whatever, but just like, like what's going on in people's hearts yeah. right now and then speaking, trying to trying to like connect or speak with that, you know?
1: No, exactly. yeah, I um, I taught high school theology before I moved to campus ministry. and so my coworkers and I, like one of my coworkers has been teaching for about twenty years. Um, and he was actually one of my teachers when I was in high school. And so we talk about that a lot, like, the questions people are asking, like the questions that maybe high schoolers or, or youth are asking today weren't the questions they were asking ten years ago. He's like, I have to change my curriculum all the time because they're actually they actually don't care as much about, for example, um, you know, the questions of science and religion. I think that was a huge topic for people, you know, maybe a decade or so ago. And and that's almost not not that people don't care about that anymore, but they've just moved on to like other topics. And so if you spend your whole time speaking to concerns that they don't have it's just not going to necessarily stick
0: 100 percent correct it's funny how things change and it's like always just this like organic sort of thing but um but somebody gave me this book and it was sort of like oh how to respond to like um the questions of atheists or whatever and right. um but the book was written 10 or 15 years ago and reading it, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is all dated. (laughs) Like nobody cares about any of this stuff anymore. Like these questions, like nobody's asking these questions anymore. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's changing, you know? Um, And it's, yeah, it's, it's like, okay, you got to like, keep, keep up with that, you know?
1: Right. Which is like kind of bizarre because like we're human beings. We, don't evolve that quickly. You know, like we're not so fundamentally different from people who existed a thousand years ago. And yet in some ways we are, I mean, maybe even in the past hundred years, like humanity's or at least society has changed more than it ever had in the past, like 5,000 years. And, you know, how do we so, speak to that?
0: Yeah, totally. We, uh, I remember, never forgot as somebody saying, like, like, The time between Cicero and like Abraham Lincoln Mm -hmm. was more similar (laughs) than the time from like Abraham Lincoln to like now, you know, like just just, like the the amount of change that's happened in the last 200 years, like, like everything for the 2000 years, Mm -hmm. 3000 years before that was just like, okay, like this, but, but, but then it just boom it just exploded you know so yeah that that stuff is all very interesting
1: yeah I know I think like when Jesus says um you know I have so much more to tell you but you can't bear it now sometimes I like to think that like he has in his imagination like the crazy progressions of the 20th century and he's like I can't even give (laughs) you advice for that period of time because it wouldn't make any sense to you you know it's as foreign as like trying to talk to you know a monotheistic jew about the trinity like is is as crazy as trying to talk to a first century jew about like yeah we're gonna go to the moon one day and like yeah maybe mars you know
0: (laughs) and it, it which which makes everything that he said so much more like okay this has to be divine because it's so hard to speak to an audience in in just a small parish community, you know, or or a classroom, or because it's like um, it, it, it's so hard to speak to different audiences without just completely watering everything down. And right. and yeah, I mean, think about it. He he's he's got in his head generations, and he's able to just you know, hit these, these things that speak to everyone and all those. Yeah. So it's, it's like my mind, mind boggling, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So like going back to some of the content you've put out, it, it seems to me like the questions that you are most addressing are these questions of like feeling purposeless and empty and, you know, just, just sort of like a malaise that I think a lot of people have gone through. Like, was were you, you know, as you're putting these videos together, like, are you relating them to personal experiences that you've had? Or is it more so like, as you encounter people, you just notice that a lot of people are struggling with kind of this, this like hopelessness or meaninglessness?
0: Both. Um, so going back to what you just said before, um, and about how things change, I started off, uh, sort of like, okay, I'm going to, tackle some of these like the the main like apologetic questions of like you know like you said science faith and science or like uh, religion is for the weak and that and I sort of started down that point but I think like at that time those those questions were like on people's minds and classrooms and things like that but not not so much anymore um now I think it's and um this kind of I don't know, it just sort of uh, came with um, um, reading a lot of comments and and getting a lot of emails and things like that. And um, it's, yeah, it's this sort of, um, um, you know, emptiness or self-worth things or self-pity and uh, like those kind of things. And um, um, and that, actually, the video... um, um, why do I feel so empty? That's like my biography, you know, um, because it was, uh, um, I was living in California and I was doing all this stuff and I wasn't into my faith and any of that stuff. And I was like making all the money and and had the job and all the stuff that all the people want, you know, but, um, but at the end of the day, I was just like, great. Like I've reached all my goals. I'm like, you know hitting 30 here and like at that time and I was just like like now what like I'm just still like it's just there's still this like I'm still miserable you know um so um um and and then as I've sort of released the things that the the videos I've I've kind of found yeah I don't really want to do like apologetics even though like that's important but like but like um, going back to Fulton Sheen, he used to say like, well, I don't need apologetics. Like I have the truth, you know, and I think people, they're just we're all like just searching for for the for truth, right, you know. Right. And um, so I, I just sort of found that those um, people gravitated more towards that kind of stuff. And yeah, a lot of it is 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 um, very you know, it, it, it's personal experience because it's kind of one of those things, like if you don't know it or you haven't been through it or whatever, you, you, you certainly can't speak to it or, um, teach about it, you know? Um, so, um, and we've, I mean, we all, you know, it's like those live questions. We all sort of can, we we've all been there, you know? Um, so I've just found that, that, uh, um, like people have gravitated more towards those things. And I I feel like I have too. And I don't know, maybe that's the the Holy spirit leading it that way, but, but yeah, so it's, it's changed in that way.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um. So you were like raised Catholic. I I know I saw that on your, in your bio, on your website, like was your family like a Sunday, every Sunday church going kind of family, like praise together kind of family.
0: We were a, yeah, every Sunday and (laughs) ironically like i was the i don't want to go to church like i want to watch cartoons you know like to to me it was a a fight a drag to get me to go to church on sunday um and honestly like i I say this all the time the only reason why i went was because the girl that i liked (laughs) went to the same church you know so i was like all right like i'll go because she's there you know um but um so, but my parents, they, they, they stuck with it and they were strong and they were like, well, as long as you're living under our roof, like we're right, right. going to church on Sunday, you know? Um, and, um, um, and then as I got into high school and college, and then it was like, as soon as I went, was out of the house and was in college, like I couldn't have been farther away from church or my faith or any of those things. Um, and. Um, i was I was totally one of those guys, like my dad would call me and say, "Oh, you know, so you going to church and I'd be like, Dad, I don't need to go to church, like I pray and like I'm good, you know like that that kind of thing um and um it wasn't until like um, it wasn't until after college that i really it it really sort of hit me,
1: yeah. Did you have like bad experiences in the faith growing up, or was it more just kind of boredom and lack of interest?
0: Yeah, it was more just um yeah, it was more just um yeah, boredom and kind of just like um it just it just never connected, it never clicked. And um I was uh nothing, nothing ever there was no really bad experience I was just kind of one of those kids who rolled my eyes and be like I'd, I'd rather be like playing playing soccer or like <laughs> watching cartoons you know
1: right yeah no I think that's probably an experience of a lot of people that and I can obviously say this as someone who taught high schoolers for a long time Is like it's not even that they're um like antagonistic towards the faith majority of them, I almost would prefer that they were antagonistic towards the faith. Cause it's like, okay, at least like we're having a conversation, but it's yeah. just more of like a lack of interest. Like in the same way that if somebody starts talking me about like, I don't know, like, like the world mm-hmm. cup, like I just have no interest in like professional soccer. My eyes just sort of glaze over and I'm like, yeah, I know that's like really cool for you. Just doesn't really interest me. Like that's kind of the same reaction. A lot of people have towards the faith is it's like, That's great that you like to go to church. Good for you. I don't really need to. I don't really care. It's just kind of boring to me. And that's like almost harder to, I think, break into um, or or to like speak to because there's almost like a lack of receptivity. It's sort of glazed over, you know?
0: Totally. I mean, we um, when I was in California, I, you know, then later when I started, had like the the conversion thing. Um, I um, was teaching and um, RCIA and teen confirmation and all that stuff. And it's funny because for the, for the reason why you just said, like, I didn't really like the teen confirmation because they were all there because they had to be there. Or they yep. were forced to be there, whatever. But I love the RCIA because mm. those were adults that were there because they chose to be there. And they, they like saw it and um, whether it was through a person or someone in their lives or something or or something they read and and they just they were they were choosing it so then you could speak to them and like you just see these light bulbs one after another right. going off you know and and you're right like w- with 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 the, the the um confirmation for the teenagers it was like you know maybe one or two had some little spark of something but uh most of it was just like i'm here because my mom and dad you know right Um,
1: yeah no i know i almost like get mad sometimes at god because i'm like you know jesus like you preached and you had thousands of people following you and you know all these crowds you couldn't you couldn't get away from them fast enough And it's like you know here we are we're in you know 21st century america and it's like yeah if i get like 10 people coming to bible study out of like a 2000 person college campus like that's (laughs) a win you know And, and it's like I don't know that that verse about like casting pearls before swine has kind of been in my mind a lot where I'm like, is this just like swine territory? Like, are we just wasting our time? Should we be shaking the dust and just going to like foreign countries where, you know, people are more thirsting for it? Or should we like stay here in the like modernized sort of mission territory, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's um, that was part of my. kind of impetus behind um starting i am beggar was i i was a um a seminarian and we were in i was in new york in new york city and um and we would go and we would talk in churches and you know and give these talks at youth groups or church groups or whatever and yeah like you know there'd be like the regular crowd there that shows up to all those events you know um but then I would walk outside the door and then just see like a million people just just passing by and busy and walking and whatever and like you know all of them on their phones and Mm -hmm. and and I was just like like obviously it's the million dollar question but like I want to my thing was I like I want to speak to those people. Like, I don't want to speak to this, this group, which I'm right. and, and nothing, I'm not saying anything against that. It's, that's, that's, we need all these things. I just felt called to like, like, no, I want to like, try to speak to that group, even in, and if I like fail or whatever, if, if it's like, you know, just getting through to very few then, then fine. But I just, I, I don't know. I just felt like, like that's, that's the, that's the group I, I want to try to talk to, you right. know?
1: Yeah. No, I know. It's like, I mean, the lost sheep in a way. Um, there is a, a quote from Pope Francis, like probably almost 10 years ago at this point where he, he was talking about like the, you know, the parable of the, like the leaving the 99 sheep to go after the one. And he's like, no, no, we only have one sheep. The 99 <laughs> yeah. are lost now, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> the complete yeah.
1: reverse. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it it's true. And, um, I just, uh, you know, and, and, and God loves them as much as he loves all of us. And I, I was just, you know, like I, I, this, there's a quote from, um, I don't, I don't remember who now, but, um, she said, um, there's not believers and non-believers. There's, there's people who know God and then people who don't know God. And, and we just have to help introduce people to the God that we know, the loving God, and and um, and so that that's kind of my whole thing. Is I'm I'm just trying to like, it's like pre 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 evangelization, yeah, like yeah. just trying to like introduce because everybody now in, in in our time we're overly like it's like we have so much of this like religion from here from from all different angles and 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 a lot of people have just been like oh like it's too much and i like reject it you know um and um um and have these wrong or bad or toxic ideas of who god is or who jesus is or what religion is about and like i'm just trying to just put little tiny little Mm -hmm. little things of like oh maybe maybe it's not that or maybe it's not what I thought or you know maybe God is not this like this you know guy who's trying to send me to hell or you know that that kind of stuff you know
1: yeah yeah no I think you you talked about that in in, I think it was your video on like would a good God send me to hell and you were kind of like you know you weren't like denying the doctrine of hell but you were saying like whatever God like you're projecting like that's not the God that I know Um, and and I think about that idea a lot because even amongst like devout Catholics like you know you have all these sort of different factions and and people kind of have their pet topics that they are you know trying to get other people onto their side about and it is it, almost like like how ha- we have the same creed you know we have the same scriptures the same tradition it's like it's almost as though there are these competing conceptions of God like between all these different groups of Catholics and you kind of like step back and you wonder like I mean, yeah. Like, who's the real God? Like, who's the real Jesus? Yeah. Like, you can preach doctrine without knowing Christ in like a profound or personal way. Um, you can just yeah. articulate all of the points, and and I mean, I, I think about that question all the time. I'm like, do I even know who the real Jesus is? You know, like that's like it, always a question on my heart.
0: <laughs> it, it, it's uh, it's so true, and um, um, that's that's really the, our our purpose. Uh, is, you know, to, to know God, know know Jesus. Uh, and, um, um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting what you said, because, um, I would say most of my audience is agnostic, like don't go to any church or faith. Um, then I would say, um, and even atheists. Um, and then I would say after that is probably, um, Um, Protestant evangelical, but sort of fallen away. Like, I I don't believe anymore. And then like a very small percentage is, is, is Catholic, which is ironic. Um, But that video, the the one about mercy um, was from so many um, emails that I, or comments or whatever of so many young people. And just like, i was just saying like, oh, I'm going to hell. I don't know what to do. I'm going to hell. Like, a, and, and I was just like, well, that's like, I, like that's not the God that I, I know, you know? And, and that's kind of what, what, what's, what sparked that um, is just this, I don't know, the, just, just this, this idea that like, you know, if, if, if I don't do 1000 things, correct, like I'm, I'm going to hell and I, I got to deal with that now, you know? Um, yeah. So,
1: yeah. That's a lot of pressure, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it makes it seem like your entire uh, eternal fate is like solely up to you, which is the exact opposite of what we believe. Like, if we say that Jesus is the savior, like that implies that you need something that you can't get for yourself. Like, you need salvation, and that's not the same as doing a hundred thousand things, like, in order to like merit eternal life.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I've found that's almost the biggest negative um, against any sort of faith in religion is that a lot of these people at some point in their, their faith journey, however long or short that was um, um, somebody or something they read or something they can't was just like, Oh, well, you're just going to hell. And they were just it, like, that's the biggest turn off mm. and turn around and like, I'm turning my back on God and like, um, so, and that, that, that video, that one that you mentioned, it came out on, um, um, that was kind of all around divine mercy Sunday and things like that. And, um, I'm a huge, uh, Faustina, oh, yeah, huge yeah. Faustina. She's like top three. Also. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and she said, God's greatest attribute is not all those other things. It's his mercy, you know? Um, so that's important. Uh, right. Just,
1: right. Well, and plus like, Jesus' harshest words were always for the people who were the most arrogant and the most um, high and mighty sense of themselves. Um, those are the people that he was like, you know, the Pharisees and, and the religious leaders, like the ones who thought they did everything perfectly. Like those are the ones who, you know, were the recipient of these harsh words, whereas it's like, you know, the the downtrodden, the sinners, the people who felt like they were nothing, those are the ones who who re- were on the receiving end of like the words of compassion like the words of you know mercy
0: it's a totally and it's like and it's like where do where do we stand you know like even in in today's reading that you know you mentioned about the um the sheep and the Pharisees are like like what's he doing hanging out with all those sinners you know and yeah. and i think sometimes uh, like I, like sometimes I feel like, am I the Pharisee mm-hmm. of the kind of saying like, Oh, look at all those sinners over there. Mm-hmm. Jesus is hanging out with like all, you know, the group of sinners over there. And I'm like the Pharisee, but like, I'm sort of like, no, wait a minute. I'm I'm the sinner over there that right. he's hanging out with, you know, right. and thank God that he is, you know, yeah. um, because, uh, um, um, and um, I remember it, it, like when I first went back to church and went to my first confession, and I was like nervous and scared, and it had been like probably twenty five years or something. Yeah, and um, I remember the priest like literally authentically rejoicing. Mm-hmm. He was just like, "Oh my gosh!" Like the hev- the angels, the heaven, like right. like this, and it made me feel because I was I thought I was going to get like, you know. Mm-hmm the brow beating or the this, and he, it, it, he, he was just like, like, yeah, they, the heavens are, are are rejoicing, you know, and he brought up that reading about the one sheep, you know, and, um, and that's when it started clicking for me, like, well, wait a minute, you know, I, I I had the wrong idea this whole time, you know.
1: Right, right, yeah. So, I want to talk a little bit more about, like, your journey to that moment. So, you said you, you know, raised Catholic, you know, as soon as you left for college. You just sort of went your own way. Um, did you, well, first of all, were you raised in like the New York area and then you moved out to California to like work in film or
0: actually, yeah, I was raised just outside of Boston.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, so after that, yeah, I moved, um, then I moved to California, uh, Los Angeles in my t- early twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I went out there to work because I was in animation and, you know, in Boston, there's no animation. So, um, I went out there and, and started just like, it was definitely the, it wasn't me. It was definitely the time that I moved there. Animation was exploding. So like, I was like working, I had like, like job offers left and right. And like, Oh, we're gonna pay you this. Oh, we're gonna pay you that. You know, and just like everything was just just booming. I was making great money. Like everything was was you know awesome. I was um, I was like writing and 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 directing my own um, little sort of um, shorts and animation. One of them like Disney wanted to like option and make into a series and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, like like okay like that's everything i like i ever wanted but like but i still always felt like yeah but like something's missing like i w- I was never really happy and mm. it's despite all that stuff i was just like yeah, something's still off you know and then i remember when i got that call from like yeah we want to like buy the show and all this it was like right after i was like hmm. like it didn't really mm. solve anything it's still um and um, and it wasn't until later that my, um, my mother got really sick. She had really bad cancer, and she had it for, like, a long time. Um, she had it at first when I lived in Boston, but then, like, she went into remission, and then that's when I moved. Um, but then afterwards, uh, it was like it came back, and it was, it was serious, you know, um, and it was very ugly. Um, and um, I remember being, like, Like, I remember when I got the call that said sort of like, yeah, your mom, you know, mom has cancer at stage four and, um, like there's really nothing they can do at this stage anymore. And I remember sort of thinking like, like if she goes, I like, I don't know how I'm going to possibly function at all for the rest of my life. Like I just, she was that important to me. I was like, yeah. I was like i can drive off this road right now into a tree and like i would feel nothing like it was it was just like that that's how i felt you know um and i remember at that point right before that i'm like thinking i'm mr hotshot because i've like got all this stuff going on in in la and coming back here to boston and um um and i remember seeing my parents and they were like calm they were strong they were um convinced you know that um this this is just something they're they're going through and um uh, they prayed together and it was just like like the image I have in my head is just a mountain and I was like man I am falling apart at the seams and here's my mom she looks like Frankenstein because she's been cut up so much and bloated and all the like literally they pulled out almost every organ she has. And, and she's like, well, you know, kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm going home, you know? And, and I was just like, man, like, I don't know what that is, but like, that's what I need because I'm a disaster, you know? Um, and, um, and it was honestly, I bought my mom this book and it was, um, it's one of those things where you know when I don't know, you go to I went to a bookstore and this book just like popped up and I'm like, okay, my mom's into Mary. There's a book about Mary. I'm uh-huh. like, I, I'll buy it and I'll give it to her. And I didn't really know anything about Mary except, you know, she's the mother of Jesus. And um, and I remember I came home one day and I found this long letter on the on the kitchen table. And I was like, oh gosh, like kind of like what did I do now type of thing. Mm-hmm. And she just wrote how much this book meant to her and how much it touched her, moved her and like all this stuff. And it was about like the apparitions of Mary and like all, all just Adama, yeah. like everything and I ended up just something just said, just read that book. So I took it and I like literally read it in one night, which I never did in my life. Like I've never read a book in one night in my life. And, um, and like, all I can say is that um, it was Ma- Mary just like, snatched me off the cliff took me into her into her arms and was like I'm, t- I'm taking you my son you know and the, the rest after that was was just history i mean it was it was a process but a- after that i it was um um that that was the the sort of catalyst you know
1: yeah wow how soon so i mean you said you read the book in one night how soon after that did you go back to church and like make uh, a confession.
0: Yeah. You know, it, it, it took a while, but I was at that point, I was going back and forth from um, um, Boston to LA. And I remember I was in LA and I, at the time I was dating this girl and it was Easter and she was like, well, it's Easter. Like we got to go to church. And I was kind of like, all right, like, let's go to church. And we went to church and this it was one of those priests that just lit the place on fire, like completely lit the place on fire. And it's funny because I was really angry and really annoyed because you know, when somebody hits you with truth and it makes you like uncomfortable, you're like, oh man, what yeah. are you, like, what is he saying? And yeah. <laughs> I was kind of like, and I was like, okay, I got to go back. And I kept going back and going back. And this guy, like to this day, he's my mentor, spiritual oh, director. Wow. Like he's the reason why I went to, into the seminary. And um, um, he, uh, I mean, he's 89 now, but, wow. um, but I, I, from that point on, it just like the Holy Spirit was just is just like one after another hit me, and um, I was just like more, 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 more. Like I finally like you know it's that old saying we're 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 built for more, and and God is the only more there is, you know. Um, so I just I like I just couldn't get get enough, you know. And I was involved. I just got involved with everything in the church and outside of the church and anything that was going on. And
1: yeah, yeah. Did did the girlfriend like? Did she? Was she like weirded out by the change in you? Was she like, wait, I just want to go church for Easter. I wasn't trying to say we'd go back all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, it, you know, it's funny because um, I, I think at that point she was probably more um, um, into her faith than I was. Um, but um, um, but uh, yeah, it's funny. I, I don't remember how that... You know what happened with that, but um but you know yeah. that was <laughs> many years ago, and it didn't work out right, so right, <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: yeah, so I- I'm assuming your mom passed away at some point uh, she, from the cancer she,
0: she did, yeah, and um, and like I'll make this story as quick as I can because it's a long one, but it's beautiful um she she really fell in love with um, St. Anne, you know, the, the mother of Mary. And um, to make a long story short, she went to a healing service up in St. Anne's Cathedral up in Quebec. And um, and she couldn't, she was really sick at that time. She wasn't sure if she could make it, but everyone's like, no, go, go, go. So she went. And anyway, again, to make a long story short, somebody was, um, when, when she went up on the altar and everybody prayed, Somebody stayed back. And then um, later on, they said, you know what, when you went up there, like I couldn't, I couldn't get up. I was just praying. And and then I saw you and I had a vision. I saw like praying hands over you. Um, So she's like, I don't know who you are, but I don't know if you believe that, but I just had to tell you. And and from that day on, my mom was just like, oh, St. Anne, like St. Anne, this, St. Anne, that. I love St. Anne." And it wasn't, it was, it was, probably a few months after that, um, that she died. Wow. And, um, and she died on St. Anne's day, which (laughs) we were just like, Oh, like, okay. Like that's it. You know, like, uh, yeah. um,
1: So, I mean, at that time were you at a place, I'm sure obviously it was still a tremendous grief, but like, did you find that you struggled as much when she passed as, as you thought you were going to, when you heard about the diagnosis?
0: Yeah. You know what, at that point I was a, different person. And, um, um, and I tell this to, to people, you know, um, it's like, at first you just, you never think you're going to have the strength. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to have the strength. And, um, by the time that it happened again, it's all grace, it's all grace. And, um, and God gave me the, the, the strength to get through all of that. Like I was, like i was just strong and then um it's funny um i was kind of very strong at first and then my grieving came a little later and i think the way i look at it is i, I think god was like okay we're going to space out everybody's grieving so that yeah, you guys yeah. are all str- one of you is strong for everybody else at a certain time so you kind of like spaced out all our grieving and i ended up grieving later but in a very healthy way and um but yeah, I was a it was like a different person at that point.
1: Yeah. Do you have siblings?
0: I do. I have three. Okay. I'm am I'm I'm the i I'm the fourth of, of four three. of us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um and so then what what made you decide to then enter seminary? Uh, and then it doesn't seem that you're a seminary now. So <laughs> you know, you went in, you left. Obviously you're still very much involved in your faith, but talk a little bit about that journey.
0: Sure. Um, so I was, I mean, it was many years now in California that I was really getting into my faith and reading and I was teaching and I was like RCIA and, um, 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 just whatever, all these, all these groups. And I was kind of like a pretty much a wallflower at that church with this priest that I was telling you about. And, um, and one day, I never thought about the priesthood ever. And one day, um, two people came up to me and were like, Randy, like, you got to be a priest. And I was like, Be a priest? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You know, they're like, No, 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 no. You got to be a priest. Like, pray about it, you know? And I was like, Well, all right. But I'm like, I'm not going to be a priest, but I'll pray about it. Yeah. And then another person that same day, nobody ever said this to me before same thing like you should be a priest like have you prayed about that like think about it and i was like all right (laughs) when when two people say it you're like all right now i gotta like think about this and um i thought about it and i prayed about it and it was again it was probably like still another two years and finally i was thinking about and praying about it so much that it was just like you get to the point where you're like okay i can't like pray about it or think about it anymore i I have to like do something to now um So I just ended up just entering, was like, all right, I'm just going to enter the seminary. And I looked around at like orders and stuff. And then it was like, should I go in Los Angeles or should I go? And at that point, my family all sort of wound up here in New York. And they were like, oh, there's a seminary like right here. And so I ended up going to uh, starting the seminary in New York. And it was funny because um, I just drove right across the country, right like literally from Los Angeles, like right into the seminary. And yeah. it was, there was like culture shock. And I mean, the churches are different right. in different regions. So there's all that stuff. And, and was I ended diocesan? up, I was, in, was what's it, that?
1: Was it diocesan or a religious order?
0: It was diocesan. Okay. I decided yeah. diocesan. And then, um, I, um uh, I was in the seminary for six years, you oh, know? Wow. Um, so it was a long time. I was literally <laughs> this close to uh, the diaconate um, ordination. And, um, and just, I just, they say, they say like, as you progress in your discernment, you'll find either more of a growing piece that becomes more and more um, like a foundational piece or less. Mm-hmm. And as the years kind of went by, I, I, I found it was I was losing some peace and, um, uh, and, and not, you know, they say the seminary is not a place you go to become a priest. It's a place you go to discover what God's will for your life is, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I had all this background of animation and art and storytelling and writing and all this stuff. And I really missed it. And I was kind of like, well, those are, things that god gave me and i don't want to just like put those things on a shelf and like just forget about them like i want to use that stuff too and um and then i told you what i said about you know seeing the people and i just right i don't know i just felt like a very strong desire and peace and call and like everything just sort of aligned to be like yeah, just you know, use your animation and use that stuff and use everything you've learned. Cause I got an awesome education here. Um, one of the they're like have one of the greatest educations at this seminary and formation and all that. And um, and I was like, I just I want to use all of it. Yeah. And and that's what God asks us. They God asks us to use like all of us, you know. Yeah. Every, yeah. every bit that he gave gives us, like he wants us to use for, for him. And I was just like, I want to, I want to use all of it. And, um, and then, and, and then that's, and it's funny because my spiritual director was like, kind of like Randy. Yeah. I like, I knew you were like, I, I saw really? this one. Come, you know? uh, <laughs>
1: he wasn't he, like, he, you're crazy. Like you wasted six years or, you know,
0: no, he wasn't, wow. he wasn't shocked at all. He wow. was just like, yeah, I kind of knew it was coming. And the thing is when you're in this, in the seminary, it's so busy yeah that like, three years goes by like that. And you're like, wow, I haven't even discerned about anything. Wow. You know, it just, it, it's just very fast paced. Like, okay, going here, going there, you got to study this, got to write a paper, got to, you yeah, know, so, yeah. um, um, so it kind of went by very fast and, and I don't like, I don't regret one second of it because of, uh, what I, like I didn't know anything before I went in there, yeah, you know? Um, yeah. so.
1: Yeah. Well, wow. no, I, it's, I I like what you said about using God's gifts because I think there's a lot of, um, there's sort of this sense that like, okay, if you're like really into your faith, if you're really religious, you should be a priest, you should be a nun, you should be a missionary, something like that. And then, you know, a lot of people will really sincerely discern that. And then if they don't, you know, discern that call, they're like, all right, well, I guess I'll just be like a regular person. And it's like, yeah, but like, you also have a unique apostolate that, is going to, like, tap into, like, all the different gifts you have, and, like, you're going to be kind of firing on all cylinders in this, like, particular way, and it doesn't have to look like you're wearing a collar, you're wearing a veil, you're wearing, you know, some kind of, like, obvious sign that you are dedicated to Christ. Like, it can be, I, I don't know, it's just, it's not, like, like, we sort of think that, like, okay, well, if you're not called to priesthood or religious life, then you're just called to be a regular married person, which means that you don't really, you know, you just, like, have kids, and then you don't really do anything else to like spread the kingdom. And it's like, no, everybody has a role. Um,
0: yeah. Amen. Amen. And that's one of the biggest, um, um, you know, it's funny because if it's not the first day, it's the second day. They'll tell you in the seminary, they'll like, just because you're the most spiritual person in the world, it doesn't mean you're called to be a priest, you know? Um, and they get, they tell you that right away, which is, which is, Good because it's like there is that notion of like okay like I'm into praying I'm into right. my faith I'm into this stuff so that means I have to be a priest but right. it's like you know um, but and and I believe right now um, in this time I, I I truly believe it that God is calling lay people like like really calling lay people and wherever you are whatever you're doing if, in marriages especially you know like like um to live you know catholic holy lives um and um i don't know i i just like i think like the church has their things they need to they're dealing with now which is is wonderful and understandable and all that but i i really think god is is really the holy spirit is really calling lay people like out in the world you know to um to really uh be those um you know those examples, you know, uh because that's that's what the that's what the church needs. I mean the the mystical body of Christ, like that's what the the church uh so um so yeah I felt um um you know I I felt peaceful about um um, you know my my decision and um, um, and, uh, and the, they, they were like, the church was, they were awesome about it. They were yeah. like, they, were, they they said, you know, if, if you're going to leave here, it's because God's calling you out of here. It's not because you're going back to something else. Right. Yeah. You know, God's calling right. you forward. And, and, you know, so I, I felt like, yeah, all right, I'm, I'm onto this thing now. And, um, um and, you know, the rest is, the rest is in God's hands.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I, th- I think that's, I think that's beautiful and and, and it's sad that some people have like more coercive experiences, you know, in in seminary religious life where there is not this freedom to like, you know, really see what God is calling you to in a very particular way. And it's I think we sort of can make it seem like, okay, there's like three doors and you're gonna enter one of those doors and then your life's just gonna look like everybody else's who went through that door (laughs) and it's like (laughs) That's just, Amen. that's not the gospel.
0: <laughs> Amen. And you, you said the magic word is freedom. And, um, and God, God leads us in our freedom, you yeah. know? Um, and I, I felt as the years were going on in the seminar, I felt more of a, all right, God, like the, the white knuckles. Mm. And I'm like, I'm doing this cause this is what you want me to do. Yes. And it's cause I'm what I'm supposed to do and right. I should be doing this. And, and then I, I literally was praying one day in in uh, in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and and I and I just like again not in in my heart, not in not in you know audible, just something in in your heart. I just heard like, do you think I would ask you to do something that obviously makes you get <laughs> makes you so tense, <laughs> you know? And I was like, oh yeah, okay, like <laughs> uh, all right, I get it now. <laughs> you yeah,
1: know? no, I mean it goes back to what we were saying earlier in the conversation about like. You know people's image of God, and and sometimes we, we put these constraints on God that He doesn't have.
0: One hundred percent, yeah,
1: yeah. So, so one last question. We have to wrap this up, but you know, I mentioned how your videos. There's a certain kind of, I don't know. You you sort of tap in a little bit to like this kind of darkness that a lot of people experience, and just like from talking to you and hearing your story in this conversation, like you clearly are a person who is. Filled with like the light and the joy and the peace of the Holy Spirit, like how do you tap into that? Um, I don't know, very sort of opposite energy that that comes across in your videos. Like, does that make sense as a question? I don't know. If it, it it <laughs> does, and
0: I, I, that's actually a, a really great question. Um, yeah, I um, yeah, you know, you know what I think it is is. I, I think I, I mean I gave you a brief sort of um, <laughs> uh, outline of the journey and I as I look back I think as much as in my own freedom I chose my own path and ways um, but I, I can see God you know God allows everything and and I think he was allowing some of those, things so that uh, like the those lows and those confusion and the going way off the the path and so so that now I can speak to them you know um and um and it's literally like the only the only way I um can tap into it, like anything is, is obviously, um, is, is prayer, but, um, but, but I think like that, I don't know, I, I, we're all suffering. Everybody's suffering about something. And, right. um, and I think, you know, God allows that in a, in a certain extent to, to, to be able to, to use that. And, um, um, so yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess, um, you know, we all we all have our suffering, but we hope that, um, you know, if 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 we can learn something or teach something or understand something through that, then then God is going to, you know, God's going to going to use all that. So I, I don't know. That, yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, Well, I mean, I think like I think about myself and like the deeper I get into my faith in a way, like the deeper I feel things, including pain, you know, it's not as though, Oh, like I give my life to Christ. And now I just am at like a perpetual high, you know, and there's, there's almost something good about kind of staying connected to the experience of pain or suffering, like not in a, I don't know, sadistic way, but in a sense where it's like, you have to, you have to be connected to the cross and like, you can't, you can't let your vision, I, I don't know. It's almost like you have to see everything through the cross.
0: Um, Amen. There's yeah. there's no victory without the cross. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. And and of course not to like, I don't know what to say over spiritualize, but not like say like, Oh, you know, la-di-da, stuff like no big deal. We just love the cross, you know, yeah. no, there's like a real gritty kind of experience of it. Even if you are like deeply in the heart of the church and, we have to, yeah, we have to stay connected to that. Like, like the goal of a Christian is not to, like, surpass suffering and to get to a place where nothing really affects you and you're just always, like, you're invincible, you know?
0: To- totally. And, I mean, y- y- you look at all the saints and they all had two things in common. They were, as you're saying, they, they suffered and were very connected with that suffering and they had joy, you know, and, and those two things go, they, they, they almost go, it's like, you know, we're, we need the good Friday to have the Easter, you know, that's how, that's how our, um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's big mystery to all that stuff, but, um, um, yeah, I don't know, I guess, um, um, yeah, I, I've, uh, (laughs) like, I've suffered, but I've also just sort of been on that other end of, like, ah, uh, like, like, religion, it's, you know, I, I mean, being as close to an atheist as, as you can, and I, I even looking back at that, I think God was like, well, I was with you that whole time, I just wanted you to sort of get those yeah, things yeah. in your head, so you right. can use it later, you know.
1: Yeah, 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 I like to, like, imagine, like, sort of on this like leash that has a certain amount of slack and some people are more slack than others. I always think like I have a very, very short leash where I can get mm, six feet away and then God's like, no, yank you back. You know, others puts them on a longer leash, but you're, you're never like totally cut off from
0: God. Totally, totally, totally. And, um, yeah. And I, I, I like, I, I always say like my, my parents were praying for me that whole time. And, um, I, like, I think that's what it was. You know, I think it was their prayers that, uh, eventually it, it just, um, just, it just clicked, you know?
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so where can people find you on the the
0: internet? Uh, well, you can on YouTube, you can find me on I am beggar. That's, um, the letter I, the letter M beggar, um, or I am beggar.com. Um, and, um, yeah. Um, just just check it out and i always say like if you know if if something clicks or whatever mm-hmm. um pass it along and if not great you know if it doesn't fine and um um and also i yeah and um i'd love to hear from anyone mm-hmm. so uh send, send emails i love getting the emails in the comments awesome
1: so. yeah and actually Real quick, can you explain the meaning of the the name that you use, I am beggar?
0: Yeah, I, I'll, I'll do it as quick as possible because um, it means two things. Okay. It means um, uh, first, like coming to the realization um, in, in our faith that I think we all will eventually or inevitably that we're, we're completely dependent, you know, and um, we're we we don't really bring anything to the table except our, our hearts. Everything else is um um you know we're dependent on God for our next breath, you know, or the next instant, you know. Um and um so it's sort of like um uh we're we're beggars in in this sense. Um but then the second realization is that you know. Christ came down from all his his glory and he stripped it all down and became down in the, in the dirt with us, you know? And he, he came down as a beggar to, to beg for our hearts, you know, to mm-hmm. beg for our, our souls. So he's, he's in front of us begging, begging for our love, you know? So it's this, wow. I don't know, it's this twofold thing that.
1: Um, yeah. 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 It's kind of like the mother Teresa's I thirst, you know, It's not just we're thirsting, but Christ is also thirsting for us. Yeah, 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 exactly,
0: exactly. Beautiful.
1: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I really enjoyed this conversation.
0: Me too. I appreciate it very much. I'm very uh, thankful for um, the invitation.